Welcome, everyone. You're listening to This is Hockey Culture, an SB Nation podcast where we break down the most pressing news circulating the NHL by examining the intersections of politics, identity, sports, and culture in order to define what makes hockey, hockey. I'm Kat Petre. And I'm Sam Siciliano. And this is Hockey Culture. So last week we had a special guest uh, co-host, which was our good friend Chanel Keenan, who's the intersectionality consultant at the Seattle Kraken, also just a wonderful person. But this week, Sam's back. She was on vacation. Good to see you. How's it feel to be back in recording? This is I'm back. Culture? Oh, I'm back. I honestly couldn't be happier. Although, I mean, I couldn't have had a better substitute. I love Chanel and I'm so thankful that she filled in for me. But I am back from the state of Florida where it basically rained every day and was actually kind of cold and my boat crashed. But other than that... I'm good. I'm safe. I'm healthy. Um, and I'm excited to talk about hockey. This week, we are going to be talking about Bob Murray and the Anaheim Ducks and the NHL's independent investigation into claims that Bob Murray was abusive to not only players, but also other members of the organization. We'll be giving a brief timeline, a little bit of coverage on the history of events, and then we're going to kind of talk about what that looks like from a PR perspective and what Anaheim has done correctly and maybe where they've dropped the ball a little bit. So let's talk a little about Bob Murray, yeah? On November 9th, news broke that Bob Murray, executive vice president and general manager of the Anaheim Ducks, was placed on administrative leave pending an investigation regarding professional conduct. In a statement, the organization said, quote, upon recommendation from their initial findings, we have decided to place Bob on administrative leave pending final results, end quote. Bob has been a part of the National Hockey League for 45 straight years and is the NHL's third longest tenured active GM and has been a member of the Ducks front office since 2005. In 2008, Murray took over as the organization's general manager and 2021 marked his 12th year as executive vice president and GM for the Anaheim Ducks. In 2013-14, he was named general manager of the year and has been a finalist for the award itself three times. In 2019, Murray became the fifth person in the history of the league to both play and manage a thousand regular season NHL games. So he has been a big, big part of this hockey community. So let's talk a little bit about the accusations because this is an ongoing investigation that we really have no idea what the details are. Like things are still coming out. This is a developing storyline. We really don't have an idea of um, like specific incidences, but um, the accusations encompass verbal abuse and harassment of team employees, players, and coaches, which can kind of be summed up in this quote quote, created a toxic work environment by way of his repeated verbal abuse and harassment of Ducks players, coaches, and personnel, plus his intimidation tactics and temper tantrums that fostered a culture of fear throughout an organization. A source also said, quote, working for Bob was pure daily mental warfare. The abuse was endless. Crazy text messages to players and staff berating them for their performance and threats of job security happened with regularity. These weren't one-time slip-ups or mistakes. They were regular explosions and eruptions, end quote. So some pretty serious allegations. 
Mm-hmm. Her st- uh, team statement on November 10th, Dux's Bob Murray resigned and joined an alcohol abuse program, and his treatment will be paid for by club owners Henry and Susan Samueli. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, who <laughs> have owned the franchise since 2005. Um, Murray is quoted as saying, quote, I want to apologize to anyone adversely affected by my behavior. Uh, I vow to make changes to my life, starting with enrolling in a treatment program and quote so some pretty interesting um and deeply deeply unfortunate allegations coming out of the anaheim ducks organization and it's coming on the heels of a lot of really heavy news in the hockey world so far right chicago um pittsburgh penguins lots of tough stuff this is kind of just piling on so i think a lot of the time when covering hockey culture we are unfortunately tasked with talking about how the league and organizations even have failed in some ways, at least the culture. And we will get there later in the show. But for a minute, I think it's really important to acknowledge what Anaheim did correctly, at least in the present. The Ducks were made aware of the accusations against Bob Murray of improper professional conduct. Anaheim launched an independent investigation and placed Murray on administrative leave due to said investigation. The following day, less than 24 hours, Murray resigned and joined an alcohol abuse program. And, you know, they took all of the necessary steps that they needed to do. Are they a bit late in that process? Yes, they are. But they didn't do what they needed to do to remove him from that environment. Now that we covered that, we do have to talk about the fact that for the last 14 seasons, the Ducks allowed Murray to create this culture of fear and mental warfare within the organization. And let's not forget in 2009, when Murray was accused of assault. Take us back to game seven of the Western Conference semifinals. The Ducks are playing the Red Wings in Detroit. All hell breaks loose when Dan Cleary's game-winning goal may have been the result of Hiller's pad being shoved across the line. So You can imagine the Ducks as a unit are both stunned, some infuriated. And Rachel Paris, who was a stage manager at the time of the event, claimed that frustrations led Murray to assault her with a chair in the press box. Now, Murray has acknowledged this incident and called it an accident. Therefore, he was never charged with assault. Um, But he has acknowledged that it's happened. So there definitely has been a history of temper tantrums with Bob Murray when it's come to the Anaheim Ducks. The chair thing is super interesting because I didn't realize um, assault could be an accident. That's fun. Um, But what's also interesting to me is how differently this has so far been handled versus the Chicago Blackhawks case. And I don't want to say scandal because that feels minimizing to me, but you know what I mean when I say Chicago. And I think it's because now that the league has seen what can happen when a team doesn't get ahead of something and handles it before it goes public or controls the public image of the problem, um, it can be a real issue for the team and the league. Basically, you know, it was like, oops, Anaheim Ducks are placing Bob Murray on administrative leave or whatever. And then it was, he's resigning. And then it was, he's entering an alcohol abuse rehabilitation program. And then very, very quietly, the uh, the team was like, oh, there's also 20-ish years of workplace abuse and harassment, um, and the league is investigating his professional conduct, but like, don't worry, because he's gone, and like, 
everything happened really, really quickly and really, really quietly. And I don't know about you all, but I feel like I saw very little about this on my timeline and in the news feeds about the NHL. I really wasn't seeing anything about it. I completely agree with you there. And that's why I kind of wanted to say earlier, like, yes, the Anaheim Ducks did do something right. And it was in the present, but it makes me feel like there have been accusations for a very, very long time that were so quickly addressed. And I kind of feel like it's because pressure that's falling on the league right now, but we'll get there. But I completely agree with you. Like they were ready to release it to the press. And as soon as it was released, I mean, literally it released at six o'clock at night and by 9am he had resigned. Like it was less than 24 hours. And it's kind of crazy how ready and prepared they were with that information to, to back up his resignation. Totally. I think from a PR perspective and like a business perspective, it's a really fascinating situation, not in a good way, (laughs) but um, I think again, because it follows on the heels of Chicago, we're really seeing this change. You know, we're, we're at the point now uh, of trying to figure out the internal structure and organizational experiences of the Anaheim Ducks over the last 20 years. And, t- and 20 years is a lot in and of itself, especially given the internal turnover teams have mm-hmm. year to year, but also because it's encompassing so many different people who may have been affected from players to marketing to the front office, right? Like at this point in time, we really have no idea uh, who was affected to what degree by Murray's behavior or like or who was affected, how, if players were treated differently than marketing, you know what I mean? Like it's, we are kind of like in this um, information gathering stage that I think is really going to take a long time because of the time frame. Like this very obviously is an issue or an ongoing issue that should have been dealt with 20 years ago. It hasn't, okay, you kind of have to deal with that, but also just figuring out who was involved to what extent Um, and what that culture looks like in the dynamics involved. Um, And because it seems that Chicago Blackhawks have become the precedent, now leagues are going to, or teams are going to see what Chicago did. Um, Really, they're going to see what not to do (laughs) when handling instances of abuse because Chicago and the NHL handled everything very, very poorly. Um, And the Anaheim Ducks are going to approach the PR side of it very differently. And we're already starting to see that with Anaheim, which I think as it relates to hockey culture and how hockey is marketed to the public, um, it's really like fascinating. I personally don't feel that it was coincidental that a few weeks ago, Kyle Beach revealed his identity on TSN as the former player at the center of the Chicago Blackhawks heartbreaking tragedy. And in a way, I think it can be empowering to see the culture shift and say no more. We are not a community that stands for abuse of any kind. And I really do think that Kyle Beach helped to dictate that shift. Jeff Solomon, the Ducks interim GM, said, quote, the league was really good about sending a memo, basically reminding everyone about overriding objective to foster inclusion. But honestly, I didn't have to read the memo. We shouldn't have to read it. It's unfortunate that we even need these reminders because these are things that we should already set our standards to. And we have a high set of standards and bar of excellence with this organization. And that's going to continue to be that way. And I just think it's interesting because they don't have a history of those standards, but 
it is nice to see the organization as a group. And I would say even as workers, right, come together and say, this isn't representative of the Anaheim Ducks and it's not, we're not going to let that be the narrative here. And I do think that there's something empowering about what Kyle Beach did, you know, having the community say no more of this type of energy here. That is not welcome here. Totally. And I kind of want to go back to Chicago for a minute to talk more about the marketing of hockey and hockey culture, because I think that's kind of a touchstone of the Anaheim Ducks, um, especially because there are some similarities uh, between the two situations. And what has been so dominating for me is how markedly different Anaheim has been so far in handling the PR side of what's been going on with Murray and the investigation. Um, and obviously, as you all know, I'm a journalist. This is what I do. And so when I'm seeing kind of like how uh, the Anaheim Ducks are communicating not only to the media, but also their consumers. It's sort of um, like, it's, it's interesting. And it's something that we kind of have to look at, especially when we're talking about hockey culture as a whole and what that actually looks like from a business and economic perspective. So let's look a little bit at Chicago because I'm not done talking about Chicago and I probably never will be because, you know, they, they haven't done a single thing right this whole time. And uh, mm-hmm. while the investigation is over the lawsuits are still ongoing so it's you know it's a continuing conversation but anyway if you know me you know that I will always make the financial argument not because it matters more than the ethical or moral one because it doesn't but because unfortunately it's the one that the NHL will respond to the most right hockey is an industry these are business institutions at the end of the day their job is to make money And so for Chicago, um, and just in general, we can see this with Anaheim and Pittsburgh and whoever, it is a bad business decision to uh, lie and cover up wrongful actions, right? And there's a lot of reasons as to why, but here's a couple of them, uh, just in case the moral one doesn't occur to you. Um, Yeah, if that one doesn't sit well with you. Yeah. (laughs) Here's some financial reasons why it's bad to be a liar. Here we go. Yeah, basically. Uh, For one, younger consumers are both becoming the largest consumer group uh, in the United States and North America. And they're also the drivers of a great deal of purchasing power. Um, But they're also a demographic that the league is actively trying to attract. If you remember the league's like brief stint with bringing in like a TikTok star whose name escapes me and I will probably never remember it like same what was his name i couldn't tell we did guys we did like almost a whole episode on one of our other podcasts that's hilarious tap tap an article about it i don't remember yeah my goodness anyway (laughs) the nhl has some weird marketing decisions with young consumers but anyway they're trying to pull that audience in younger consumers have different buying habits than older consumers And one of the hallmarks of their economic footprint is that they like transparency, accountability, and emotional connection with a company, often through matters of social justice or social consciousness versus older demographics who um, like uh, brand recognition and tend to find one brand that they really like and kind of stick with it because uh, they value loyalty and that sort of thing. Um, In general, with repeated scandals um, half brushed under the rug, like player safety, uh, COVID um, players and fans have slowly been losing trust in the NHL, in the NHLPA, 
and have been definitely losing trust in the public faces of these institutions and their ability to do their jobs well. If you remember back to the whole player safety debacle of last season, everyone wanted George Peros gone. Um, this time, people are really calling for Gary Bettman and Bill Daly to step down. Like People have lost a lot of trust, and that's not even on the player side, although they've definitely been pretty candid in some cases about how they don't trust the NHLPA for good reason and the mm -hmm. NHL. Um, Alan Walsh has also been perhaps unsurprisingly pretty candid about his own feelings on uh, the people in the institution and the league and fans as well. Um, and the league is actively trying to reestablish trust with their pre-existing fan base and our players, right? You can't grow the game with new consumer groups if your pre-existing consumer group is losing trust and by losing trust, you're losing money and fan interest and viewership and ticket sales and all of those things that come with that. So, and it's kind of the same thing uh, where it is the same thing with Kyle Beach and Sheldon Kennedy, Akeem Alou and, and countless, countless others in tragically similar circumstances. Um, and in this instance, and in any instance, no amount of half-hearted lies or misdirections in press conferences or Black History Month warm-up jerseys will ever be as impactful from a business perspective and just a general moral or ethical perspective as accountability, transparency, and humility will be. And now we're seeing the first time a league has to handle um, or a team has to handle a very serious and complicated internal organizational abuse investigation in light of Chicago. And so I think Anaheim is going to be somewhat of a case study for how the league now approaches those sorts of investigations and how they communicate them to the public, right? So far, Anaheim has controlled the information in the story. They've released mm -hmm. just enough information to temper the need for people to dig further, right, by releasing that he's entered an alcohol abuse program and that there's an internal independent investigation taking place and that he's resigned. But we haven't had any more details over the exact nature of why he was resigning and what those allegations actually are. And I think having him resign was honestly the biggest mark that they're handling it very differently because the biggest thing in Chicago, um, and for good reason, was that Stan Bowman and his posse should have been gone ages ago and hadn't resigned, and that was a whole thing. And I think the Ducks knew that it was probably a good idea to get rid of Murray ahead of all of that. And to be mm -hmm. fair, it sounds like a lot of people in the organization had been wanting to get rid of him for a long time. They just hadn't the, uh, the opportunity or the ability to do so. So, you know, maybe this is great, but, you know, he's the most significant part of the problem. Certainly the public face of a larger organizational problem in the Anaheim Ducks. And once he's gone, it signals to consumers that the problem has been quote unquote solved which isn't true, right? The problem persists, albeit in a slightly different way, but still, uh, the Anaheim Ducks have been quiet on social media about it, um, but they have been releasing regular content that aligns with their typical day-to-day -day content, right? They haven't been pushing any, uh, any sort of like, quote, everything's fine narrative that the Hawks did. Like the Hawks really tried to push on social media and through their content that they were... Um, they were still this great organization that you should buy into the players and their personalities. Like it was a very like structured and fake kind of persona. 
I would really even push to say that like that is just such an original six way of handling things. Don't you think? Do you know what I mean when I say that? Like it's just so rigid and so deflective and so we've started this league. How could we ever do anything? Mm -hmm. Like no offense and respectfully or disrespectfully shut up. You made a mistake. You made a big, massive mistake. Admit that you did it. And then, you know, maybe we can all try and be acquaintances moving forwards. If you can own up to what you did and say, we're going to make sure that we're not fostering any more environments like that ever again. You know, I don't even, it's not rocket science. So it is definitely like horribly disappointing, but I will say that it's just such an interesting perspective to look at it as, you know, that classic original six energy versus you know, a newer team. It's interesting. A hundred percent. And one of the things that the Hawks did was that they also, um, to their credit, which I hate to say, but the Blackhawks have done a really wonderful job in hiring a lot of women in positions of power within their organization, which is something we don't often, unfortunately, see in the NHL. Um, what was not great about it is that while they were in the more obvious deflection phase of their social media content strategy and handling the Kyle Beach lawsuits. Um, they really put women um, as at the front of their uh, content as if to show um, we're so progressive. How, how mm-hmm. could you hate us? Whatever. Like they use it as a very obvious marketing piece. That's a whole other conversation. Haven't forgotten it. But in <laughs> contrast to the Blackhawks, the Anaheim Ducks are treating this as normally as possible in social media. Which is, a, I have to give them credit where credit's due. That's a really smart PR strategy, right? It's mm-hmm. like when your kid falls and when you're like, oh no, like, are you okay? And they start crying. But if, when they fall and you're like, oh, like you fell, like how funny, good whatever. Fall. Like good fall. Like they laugh it off and they're totally fine. Like that's exactly what this is. I, the more the ducks pretend that the problem has been solved and everything is business as usual and all forward facing fronts, right? Like social media, PR statements, media availability, et cetera, the more it convinces fans that everything is fine and there's nothing to like worry about or to look further in because he's resigned and everything's dealt with. And, oh, Mm -hmm. look, they're still posting like regular content. Um, And so now I think we're at this point again of like, we're navigating what happened in the past 20 years within the Ducks organization. We really have no idea what that looks like. We're trying to figure that out, but also we can look at the Anaheim Ducks and think, okay, so this is going to be the league's marketing and PR strategy going forward when it comes to um, internal investigations and instances of abuse allegations. If you want to get in touch with us, all contact information will be listed in the description box of the episode. You can shoot us an email, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and find us on Fear the Fin at SB Nation.